The History Channel original podcast. Hey everyone, today's episode is going to be a little different because it's going to be our last episode, at least for a while. Sports History This Week is going on a break, but before we do, we wanted to give all of you, our listeners, our fans, a look into the team that makes the show possible and give you a sense of what we think about putting these episodes together. The show's been running for over a year now, and as you'll hear, there's plenty to talk about. This is a fun team, and I think you're going to like what they have to say. Sports History This Week August 16th, 2023. The SHTW team takes a look back. I'm Kaylin Jones. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So let's jump right into it. If we could go around the room and you guys can introduce yourselves for the audience, David, we'll start with you. Hey, I'm David Ingber, and I'm a producer for Sports History This Week. I'm Cooper Katz-McCam. I'm the other producer for Sports History This Week. I'm Jonah Buchanan. I'm an associate producer for Sports History This Week. My name's Julia Press, and I am a story editor on Sports History This Week. And I'm Ben Dickstein, and I'm the senior producer of Sports History This Week. All right. Well, I'm excited to jump back in and and revisit all the work that we've done. So let's get right into it. What is your favorite episode that you've gotten to create? David, we'll start with you. When it, it comes down to the interviewees that we got, and there's just nothing cooler than Greg Maddox. He is so chill. The way he talks about baseball, I mean, it's getting to hear about the pitching strategies from the man himself. Like we got to pick his brain for an hour and hear the way he approaches the game. And he was so cerebral, but so down to earth as an editor, as a producer, as a writer, that was a true joy for me. And it made my job very easy that week because it was, you know, (laughs) what what do I know about storytelling? I'm just going to say what Greg Maddox thinks about baseball. And that right there is the episode. Similar to David, my favorite was because of a person I got to talk to. Definitely Tony Hawk was like a childhood icon. And even being like in that interview, I just couldn't stop smiling the whole time. And like being able to include the music in that episode and some of the mechanics of the game and how it got made. It it wasn't just a smooth, this is going to get made done. You know, there was drama to it and getting both of the perspectives of the producers of the game and him provided a very unique narrative and one I'm still extremely proud of. Do you and Tony still text? Yeah, mostly (laughs) just every day though now. Jonah, what about you? If I had to choose one, it would probably be Barry Sanders. Everyone really wanted to talk about him. Everyone had lots of stories to share. And specifically getting Pat Jones, 
getting a random call from some like Tulsa number and then it's Pat Jones on the other side. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I do love when we talk to athletes and they're so excited to talk about someone else. You know, like having Dion Sanders teammates on the episode. They were so stoked to talk about Dion because he was, you know, he was an idol to them the same way he is to all of us as fans. So here at Sports History This Week, we sometimes have to make some tough calls, you know, which episodes we make and which ones we don't. On the positive side of that, I wanted to ask you guys which stories you were really happy you got to tell. David? Um, Happy is an interesting word because when I think of happy, I think of like, you know, my favorite meal or my favorite vacation, you know, and uh, I I don't want to like imply that there was a lot of joy in making the Marshall episode, but there was... There was a trust that the people at Marshall gave to us, the university, um, that we worked directly with them and they entrusted us with telling their story. And the fact that we got an email from the folks at Marshall saying that they really respected the episode and uh, were pleased with the way it came out, that meant more to me um, than probably anything on any other episode. I feel like we were often put in a position where we were telling stories that movies have been already made about and Mm. doing it in a much more grounded way. Perhaps. I mean, yes. that's a great example, right? Marshall's story. We are Marshall. We try to tell some of the best stories from sports history, and you're not going to believe this, but the best stories tend to have movies made about them, you know? Right, right, <laughs> right. I mean, we, having seen the movie, I guess, I'm assuming you saw the movie, David, and and, yes. and having produced the episode, what was like that contrast? I actually watched the movie after I submitted the script because I didn't want to be influenced. We told it from a different side, and obviously we told it with like a, a docu-style instead of a Hollywood style which uh, is always going to be different. Um, We try to do it in under 30 minutes. They had an hour and a half or maybe two hours to tell their story. Jonah, what about you? What's an episode you were happy you got to make? I guess from a collaborative point of view, working with Cooper on the hot dogs episode, it changed a lot from start to finish. And I think I was happy that we ended up telling the story that we told, which was a lot different from sort of like a lighthearted, whimsical romp on the beach, necking down hot dogs and you know, washing it down with water. It's a much more intense story of player politics and emotional entanglements. Um, I was glad that that one came out the way that it did instead of sort of making light of a situation that really did hit hard for the people involved. Can I just say, though, a little bit of a hot take with that? What I realized coming out of that episode, you've seen the hot dog eating contest before, maybe. I wasn't paying attention to it that closely. I really think it should be a rule that they should have to eat the hot dog with the bun. You're watching these guys, <laughs> and they take the bun, and they're dunking oh, it in water. Oh, here we go. It's like a classic the spirit of, you think, you think you know, uh, you know, whatever his the inventor, you know, Leo Frankfurter, whoever invented the hot dog, do you think he intended <laughs> it to be eaten separately? Are I you one of those so. American fans that watches the World Cup and then says, you know what, we should change the offside rules? Are you that guy? <laughs> I'm not that precious about it. For some reason, the hot dogs, you should have to eat the hot dog with the bun. And I, I think the water is just the whole thing is a little, that that's that crosses the line somewhat for me. I think, you know, the we have to have The deconstruction was part of Kobayashi's brilliance, right? Like he, he invented right. that strategy. Right. Has You're anyone right, experimented yeah. with anything other than water? Someone tried like cream soda, seeing how that worked out? He did olive oil, right? Yeah. Well, Kobayashi in Japan tried olive oil, but other competitors try soda and stuff like that. Why would you... Oh yeah, they need to debate this on up. first take. This needs to be the first thing they do. <laughs> this is this is the perfect time of the year to do it when they're you know all the sports are kind of winding <laughs> down. We should have Mad Dog and Stephen A debate. 
should hot dog eaters be allowed to separate the bun from uh oh my goodness what's it called the meat the hot dog thank you the oh, hot I dog don't know. i, I, I think there's know. another word for there's there's another word for this when i watched it on espn this year there's the unit they use is hdb is hot yep. dog plus bun so i think they define oh the hot God. dog as just the the link thank you the link just the, the should they have to add ketchup and mustard too i need a pickle on the side like what's I think you what's your add. vision ben <laughs> I don't, you don't need condiments or, you know, dealer's choice, but I just think you need to okay, sure. unify them. All right, Ben, answer the question, Mr. First Take over here. Um, <laughs> what's an episode you were happy you got to make? Okay, I'm going to bring it back to baseball, I think, for this one. I think the rule changes episode that David produced, I liked it because unlike a lot of our episodes, which I think we've done really well, is taken a slice of time and really put people in that moment and exploded that story as best as we could. What this episode did really well is like, here's this thing going on now, which is, you know, pitch clock, et cetera, going on in 2023, and told people basically, don't panic. This has happened before, and <laughs> everything will be okay, um, because people like to complain, not just in baseball, but all sports when anything changes. It felt like an episode with a lot of utility to put people's fears at ease. That was also a little change in the way we pitched certain episodes where yes. we had always started with, here's this date I found in 1971, or here's this date I found in 1935. And that episode was, hey, there's this crazy thing happening in baseball today. What mm -hmm. if we built an episode around that? So it was kind of like, it was like a reversal as opposed to looking at the past and saying, how can we connect it to today? It was looking at today and seeing how can we connect it to the past. Exactly. Yeah. And again, we have to be so selective with our pitch process because we talk and talk about which stories we do end up choosing, but inevitably, like good ideas are always going to be left behind. Um, Jonah, since you've been on, you've had some great pitches. Is there one you really wanted to do that we didn't get to? An episode that I, I would have loved to have made in, in some capacity is about El Santo, the first like Mexican luchador. He was a, a film star as well. Um, it's like 50 plus movies. And I grew up watching the same three ones on VHS kind of over and over and over again. And he's just this like crazy, fascinating character who's like the, the guy who popularizes Lucha Libre in, in, in like the public eye and also sort of this proto Adam West Batman if Batman was played by one guy <laughs> and also wrestled in a ring. And he has this like crazy life cycle where he becomes this huge star. He kind of tracks weird film development in Mexico and and is in all these B movies that are like vaguely weird and semi-exploitative and then goes back into wrestling. And then towards the end of his career, when he retires, he makes one final media appearance and takes his mask off um, for the first time, this like iconic silver mask. And then he dies a, mo a month later. David, what about you? What's an episode that you wish you would have gotten to make? A story about the creation of Pickleball because talk about <laughs> something that's relevant to today. I mean, no one even cared about this thing in 2020. And now it's all my text threads are just pickleball with people being like, did you see this thing in the New York Times about how people playing pickleball are causing noise pollution? It's like now it's like a thing that everyone's talking about. I'm personally obsessed with it. And it would have been really fun to get a chance to talk to some of the folks at USA Pickleball and uh, maybe talk to some pros and learn a little bit about the history. Because uh, right now it's just kind of like scrawled on some websites. But I would have I would have I would have loved the chance to to jump at that and. Uh, as you know, I love the quirky sports. Uh, you know, it, it's great to do NBA stories, great to do NFL stories, but also great to give some love to the stories that are uh, up and coming. I think for me, one I tried to find an avenue for was about Paul Brown, the co-founder and, and first coach of the Browns and then founder of the Bengals. 
I think doing a deep dive into a coach would have been fascinating and how he could possibly do so much and have such an impact on a league as one human. Like, how did things fall apart with the Browns? And then there was this rivalry. There's just so much natural tension with this story, in addition to representing two AFC North teams, which is a division that I'm particularly interested in as a football fan. All right, Ben, what about you? What's an episode you wish we would have gotten the chance to make? I'll tell you, okay. Does anyone here know when the first World Series was played? Here's a good question. 2000 BC. That's <laughs> I know close. the Boston Pilgrims won it in, I think, like nine games or something. That's right. That's right. Well, the Boston Americans, I think they were playing ah. at the time. But I think they were the Pilgrims <laughs> at some point. But yeah, that was in 1903. Oh. Does anyone know when the second World Series was played? It's 1905. Oh. There was no 1904 World Series because obviously we still have the American League and the National League now. Back then, they were very divided. And the idea of them playing each other in 1903 was pretty, for a championship especially, was revolutionary. And in 1904, the New York Giants in the NL and the Red Sox again, or the Americans at the time, won the AL again. But the Giants owner considered the American League to be so inferior a product, Hmm. so inferior uh, a level of baseball that he simply refused to play the World Series. And you see that throughout sports, right? It's like competing leagues is not just AL, NL. It's like ABA, NBA, right? USFL and things. AFL, NFL before they merge. AFL, NFL, right. right. <laughs> With Al Davis, that would have been a great episode. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's like when new when new leagues like pop up, you know, like when the XFL pops up and people laugh at it and go like, oh, that has no chance, right? Or I don't know, pickleball, another example. It's like mm. people are like laughing it off. be like, that has no chance. But then we look historically, it's like some of them do break through and become lasting leagues. You know, like the ABA is still very much around because it merged with the NBA and some of the original ABA teams are still in the NBA today. It's like those leagues can work. And I think like that's one of those history repeating itself in the sports world things that like we can laugh at the beginning. And then all of a sudden you look around, you're like, oh, wait, this is still here. This is still a multi-billion dollar business. When we come back, the sports stories that gave us all the feels. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. All right, let's get back into it. Yes, we cover big games, big moments, but those almost always come with big emotions of all kinds. So let's talk about that. The episodes that really made us feel something. Cooper? So many of the guests in the NFL draft piece, which was just, we got to talk to a lot of characters. And Upton Bell, who was former general manager of the New England Patriots and son of Burt Bell, founder of the NFL draft, was just an absolute kick to talk to. Julia, what about you? What's an episode that made you feel something? For me, getting to dive into the episode on Sandy Koufax really gave me the feels, as you put it, just because I grew up with my dad as a Brooklyn Dodgers fan talking about what the Dodgers meant to him. It was really interesting to be able to trace the career of this player who spans both the Brooklyn and LA Dodgers era and brought with him to LA the Brooklyn Jewish American mentality that I grew up with. So it was really fun to be able to see how he tackled this complicated moment where he was asked to pitch in the World Series on a Jewish holiday. uh, And he had to sort of wrestle with what his religion meant to him in this new city with these new fans. So that was particularly meaningful for me. I think um, if I did have to choose one, it would probably be the 1999 World Cup. One thing that we ran into a lot, I think, was athletes being very blasé about their achievements. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I did this. I did that. Champion of the world. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. And, <laughs> and Brianna Scurry and Christine Lilly were like that when they were talking about things they did on the pitch. They were like, yeah, whatever. I I'm five foot five and I have a 12 foot vertical and I cleared a ball off the line in the 90th (laughs) minute, but like, whatever. It was just a fluke. But when they were talking about like the impact of having to go out and like, kind of like beat the ground and and raise publicity. And I think even Christine Lilly got a little teared up talking about like the impact that the 1999 World Cup had. It was significant to me because, you know, these are professional athletes and this is something that happened 24 years ago and it's still, the magnitude of it is still very clear to them. So I think that was sort of infectious and gave me a a, a really deep appreciation for that moment. A lot of episodes uh, in different ways, but anytime we were discussing a small community that really rallied around a certain team or a certain year or a certain player, um, Green Bay comes to mind, right? The founding of the Green Bay Packers in the 1920s and how that entire town was almost geared toward uh, becoming Packers fans. Manchester United rings a bell, right? That city went through so much between World War One and then World War Two and economic downturns and the desperation to keep a well, not just one, but two amazing soccer franchises afloat. As someone that's from a small town and I saw how much the sports scene meant to that small town, I don't know, I just... If I could, David, that's something I feel like we haven't spoken about yet is fans in our stories who clearly play such a huge role. You know, one of our most recent episodes is about the Supersonics leaving Seattle, right? And just hearing how heart-wrenching it is when a team betrays their city, as much as it's amazing and euphoric when they win a championship, right? It's just abundantly apparent 
how much the emotional state, I guess, for lack of a better term, of a community or a fan base can really be, you know, influenced by the decisions or performance of a team. It's amazing when you become a sports fan in the modern day and then you see these ties back to history about how each pocket of fandom kind of has its own character, right? Mm -hmm. That like Boston fans have an identity. New York fans have an identity. LA fans have an identity. Philly fans have an identity, right? It's like there's these characters that are created by the collective. Yeah. And so speaking of that, what if we were those fans, right? Like, which moments have we covered that you would have wanted to be in the stands for the C Live? I would have loved to see the Dream Team getting to see Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and, you know, like you name it. Like, there, there's so many incredible people that you get to see. It's like seeing an all-star game, but they're all on the same team playing against some other completely overmatched team that is there uh, sheepishly asking for autographs before and after the game. That, to me, just sounds like an incredible fan experience. Coop, what about you? The Appalachian State game was such an incredible one to watch on YouTube that the idea of being there and getting like bored expecting Michigan to beat down this you know, no-good underdog team with no expectations... And then it was like so filled with drama at every single turn with like insane catches, comebacks, like e extremely timely moments, big kicks. Like it's everything that you love in a football game. Football is my favorite sport. I, I think that would have been by far just insane to be at live that I probably wouldn't have been able to drive home. I was so excited. I think it was roller derby. Um, I think Ooh. living in New York, Every time you find something cool, you're like, you realize pretty quickly that it's been seen and discovered already by a million people before you. And so like <laughs> seeing like truly the beginning of a, like a real historical subculture moment in New York would be pretty sweet. It's a good one. I think for me, it would have been Doug Williams. I think his second quarter from God, I think is how I've heard people describe it. And if he doesn't have that performance against John Elway and the Broncos in the Super Bowl, we probably don't have Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson's of the world. Like I, I also because it's a Super Bowl. I mean, who wouldn't want to see a Super Bowl in person? <laughs> That's a positive note to end on. All right. Well, uh, before we log off again, I just want to say thank you to each of you guys for being the engines that make this show run. And Kaylin, come be, on. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> thank they, you, Kaylin. Thanks for letting me read your guys' scripts. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> we it's appreciate been a blast. you. It's been a blast. And I hope that our listeners have enjoyed listening to our show over the past year plus and hearing a little bit behind the curtain. Thanks for listening to Sports History this week. Not just for this episode, but for all of them. For moments throughout history that are also worth watching, check your local TV listings to find out what's on the History Channel today. Other notable sports stories that happened this week? 1954. The first issue of Sports Illustrated is released, with Milwaukee Brave slugger Eddie Matthews swinging out a pitch on the cover. And 2008. Michael Phelps wins gold in the 4x100-meter medley relay at the Summer Olympics in Beijing. This gave Phelps eight gold medals, still the record for the most gold medals in a single Olympics. If you'd like to get in touch, please shoot us an email at sportspod@history.com or leave us a voicemail at 212-351-0410. 
This episode was produced by Ben Dickstein, who's also our senior producer. It was sound designed by Isaac Lee. Sports History This Week is also produced by David Ingber and Cooper McKim. Our associate producers are Emma Fredericks, Hazel May, and Jonah Buchanan. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn, and our executive producer is Jesse Katz. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Sports History This Week wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again to all our fans for listening, and we'll see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Copyright 2023 A&E Television Networks, LLC. All rights reserved.